Hey everyone, I am back today with part three of my four-year curriculum map podcast episode. Again, if you have not listened to parts one and two, you're going to want to go back and do that. I did more of an overview and introduction in part one of everything that I use, but a really, really quick overview because it's been a while since those episodes. I use Tina Hargaden's Stepping Stones curricular framework for my classes, and I currently use all of the cycles or the units that she has created in levels five through eight. And in fact, our school is a kindergarten through eighth grade Spanish program, and my colleague uses the Stepping Stones curricular framework in grades three and four as well. So we are spending a lot of time kind of hashing out who's going to cover what, where is the repetition and the spiral details going to come in and all of that. So today we're talking about cycle one, phase three. So this is like the third part of the description unit. So specifically cycle one is description, phase three is describing people inside and out. So those internal and external characteristics, things you can see, things that you can't, etc. So here's how I have kind of broken it down. And I'm actually probably going to cover cycle one, phase four in this episode as well, because I do have them kind of intertwining. So I guess consider this cycle one, phase three, describing people inside and out, and cycle one, phase four, describing people in places in the past and the present, all in one episode because they do kind of overlap a little bit. So for my fifth grade, in cycle one, phase three, I have decided to only focus on describing imaginary characters. So we will be doing a lot of one-word images because they have a lot of fun with that. We'll also be doing a lot of individually created characters. If you're not sure what that is, I have a episode about that. And actually, big news, I'm going to make a whole episode telling you more about this soon, but um, my students and I have been working on a project with individually created characters over the last um, couple of months to provide you all with comprehensible readings and texts and activities and pre-made worksheets um, and content to talk about when it comes to individually created characters. And thank you to my wonderful friend, Marta Yerenak, who has been proofreading those for us. You should check out her podcast, Cuéntame. Um, And I will share more about that later. I'm getting off track here. But anyhow, in fifth grade, our biggest focus is going to be describing imaginary characters. And I'm doing that so that I can kind of keep the vocabulary limited um, and sheltered. So we're going to focus on things like if it's big or it's small, because if you're not familiar with one word images, you should probably go listen to my episodes on those and individual characters. Um, But if it's big or it's small, um, the colors, um, we might talk about like its eyes, we might talk about its hair, I might throw that in, I might not, depending on how it arises. I don't always include those kinds of details because that can get kind of weird if you're drawing like hair on an eraser. Um, might talk about like has, um, and we'll probably include likes and dislikes because again, that's going back to what they've already learned in cycle one, phase two. And due to my limited time with fifth grade, I only have them twice a week for 45 minutes. I will not be doing cycle one, phase four with them, which is describing people in the pla- and places in the past and present. I will be going straight from cycle one, phase three, to cycle two, which is the storytelling unit. And I will explain more about my plans for that as I continue to make these episodes. 
In sixth grade, for cycle one, phase three, we'll probably still do a one-word image. We might still do individual characters because those are always a hit and a lot of the kids really like them. Even my current eighth graders are begging to do a character to create a one-word image. And I was like, they're probably sick of this. This is like at least their third year making them. Um, maybe their fourth. But they're like, when are we going to make a new character? So like, even if the the fun getting the students on like the imaginary crazy train with you and all of that is not a part of your classes coming up with these goofy characters that you can then like use to write stories about later is still fun even if the kids aren't super into it whereas my sixth graders when we did a one word image this year you know they're super into it they pretend to take bites out of the watermelon um they pretend to like i accidentally walked through the imaginary watermelon in our room and they all gasped okay so Depending on how on board your students are, I say go ahead and reuse those strategies. So if you want to reuse those every year, as long as you have the time to do it, go for it. Because really you could take three, four days and you could do a one word image one day. You could have your students draw individual characters the next. Um, on day three, you could have them, you could either present them as like picture talks with the individual characters or you could have your students write about them in Spanish or your, your uh, target language, depending on their ability to output. Um, day four, you could like either read them, you could do a one word image scavenger hunt, uh, La Maestra Loca, Annabelle Williamson shared about that on her blog. So there's a lot of things you can do with them uh, once you have them made um, and I'll have a whole packet of activities and I'll provide some freebies for you too um, that I'm working on with one of my classes that you could literally just say here's all the pictures and you could just print off these worksheets and activities that practice their um, target language use and they could just pick which one they wanted to do and do it so I'm hoping to make your lives easier once I release that that material for you so anyhow in addition to continuing with at least a little bit of imaginary characters in my classes. At a minimum, we'll create a one-word image. If I don't want to do individual characters, I'll skip them. Um, sometimes those things lose their novelty, sometimes they don't. You have to know your class, right? So feel free to continue to reuse the things from years prior, but make sure to add on to it and make them a little more complex. So for example, in seventh grade, we also did individual characters. In addition to talking about what they are like and the things that they like to do and don't do, we also gave them a problem. And that way that will be the driving force behind the stories that we will write about them later on. So in addition to the imaginary characters review in sixth grade, we're also going to emphasize um, real and fictional heroes. So my students really love to do an activity called Hero Talk where I ask them to submit pictures of heroes. Um, sometimes they put in a picture of Iron Man, sometimes they put in a picture of a president, sometimes they put in a picture of their parents or a picture that represents their parents. Sometimes it's a soccer player. I always make them in the slideshow in the speaker notes below tell me in English about that person. This reduces your workload if you're going to do this in class. So I just have them like Google, like how old are they? When were they born? Where are they from? Um, what do they like to do? Why do they go to school? Any information that you might want to share during your input time in the target language, have them find it in English in the speaker notes underneath the slides. And that way you can actually, there's an add-on for Google Chrome called, or I'm sorry, for slides, like a slides extension that's called Creator Studio. And it allows you to 
literally just print the speaker notes only from the slides and that way you have like a whole list of them and you could just like jot down anything you need to look up for the target language or you just have it there ready so you can translate from there when you're talking about these in your classes. So they really like that hero talk activity. Um, I also bought a superhero unit from AC Quintero on Teachers Pay Teachers and I think her store is Teaching Spanish Made Easy. It was a few dollars and it, I figured it meshed perfectly with this unit that I like to do. And then we'll focus more on describing more realistic characters. Um, so we'll talk a lot about hair color and eye color, um, glasses, no glasses. I stay away from adjectives that tend to be stigmatized. So like, I really try to stay away from things like crazy or um, fat or skinny and things like that because like that really doesn't have much to do with the value of a person right um if they come up we'll talk about it but i really try to emphasize hair color eye color glasses as my external characteristics and then we talk about um personality things like strong and brave and um, intelligent and kind and caring and generous, funny, all of those types of character traits. And I do kind of limit that. Um, so I have like a list of like 10 to 15 adjectives that I'm going to kind of hit hard in sixth grade that I'm going to add on to. And eventually I hope to have all of this linked for you and I'd be happy to share it um, in my curriculum map that's in progress that I've linked in the past couple of descriptions and I'll link again in this one. But I don't have all of that now because I'm really finally, this is my third year using Stepping Stones, I'm really finally able to like figure out the spiral, how it's going to work for my students and my school situation and me as a teacher, right? Um, and then I might also jump into some sharing some professions too as we talk about those fictional and real heroes. Um, not tons of them and I don't expect them to acquire them all, um, but I like to throw those in there. And uh, again, for me, I'm looking ahead and thinking well in advance when they go to high school in a traditional grammar and vocabulary textbook focused Spanish 2 class, what are the things they're going to need to know? And if I can slowly weave those in, in the years that I have them before they go off to high school, it's going to make that transition that much easier for me. So describing real and fictional heroes, like I said, I'll probably use a lot of the materials that AC Quintero has in her superheroes unit. And then as a culminating writing assessment for this unit, I really like to do a, it's almost like an individual character combined with a smash doodle. So basically what I had the students do is I had the students come up with a drawing of themselves and then the other half, like split right down the middle, a drawing of what their hero or villain side would be. So like if they were a hero or villain and then in Spanish they write about on the human side, like right on the paper, they write about themselves as like a human. And I give them sentence frames and starters. You know, they talk about their hair color, their eye color, their characteristics, their likes, their dislikes, etc. And then on the other side, their hero or villain side, I have them write about that in Spanish and they can give it a different name and all that. And then I will brainstorm with the class, you know, a limited amount of superpowers that these people might have, right? Um, so like we might come up with a list of five to 10 possible superpowers and they would have to pick from those. Because if you let them, and this is a mistake I learned from last year, if you let them design everything, like one time I had someone whose superpower was to like shoot hard boiled eggs out of their watch. Like, okay, that's funny, but they don't yet have the language for that currently. So we're gonna 
we're gonna wait on that. Um, and I might actually try to this year digitize the typing portion of that and leave a space in the middle for the drawing, have them have it printed, have them do the drawing, and then kind of stick them in page protectors and add those to my classroom library. So anytime you have students work on a writing project, if you're willing to kind of proof it and make sure that the language is comprehensible and accurate-ish, I highly recommend keep those materials and add them to your classroom library, especially if you don't have a big budget for, for books. Or scan them, you can scan them on, like I can scan in color on our big copy machine, and I could like post them in Google Classroom for them to read if you're not able to print them. So just some different ideas for reusing this content that you're making with your students. So that's sixth grade. So that's cycle one, phase three for describing people inside and out. We'll do some imaginary characters and then some real life and fictional heroes. Then when I go into cycle one, phase four with them, um, describing people and places in the past and present, I like to tell them about my life. So really we're gonna focus on describing familiar people and places in the past and present and probably talking mostly about people. Um, so I have a whole slideshow of different pictures of me through the years and I have like a whole timeline written out about the things I liked, what I was like and some details, not really telling stories from my life but just descriptions of me over the years. Um, and that probably takes us two to three days to get through because it's a lot of input and I don't wanna overwhelm them all at once. Um, I also like to pull in celebrities that are known. Um, so I found these really cool pictures online of celebrities like where someone had photoshopped them like as younger years and then themselves, but it's like in the same picture. So that's a great visual aid and scaffolding for being able to talk about in the past and the present. And a lot of times as I'm giving that input, I will have students create like a T-chart in their notes and on one side it says past, one side it says present, and then they will write down information like details about those people in the past and present. And that way when we go to do our write and discuss in class, we'll pick, we might talk about three people in one day during our input time, we'll pick the one that they wanna write a paragraph about. And maybe if I get it in me, I would love to be able to do a couple of days of like school staff members where staff in the building volunteer to send me a picture of their younger years and then I can pull their like current school picture um, and where they tell me a little bit about themselves. And I think that would be super fun too. So I'm gonna try to do that this year with sixth grade when I get to it. Cycle one, phase four. I'm still in cycle one, phase three with my sixth graders currently. I'm hoping that by the end of February or mid-February we can hit cycle one phase four and then by spend um, spring doing cycle two. So that's sixth grade. Seventh grade in cycle one phase three describing people inside and out. I'm going to focus on them describing themselves and their circle of care. So I learned this from Rochelle Adams and um, Anna I'm probably going to mess up her name. I'm so sorry if you're listening. Glitcher? 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 Um, Elevate Consulting, Language Consulting. Um, I will try to link it into my into my, my um, curriculum map. But instead of the whole like family tree, we're going to, we did a, a circle of care describing themselves. And we also did like a, a lesson focused on like the roles they have in their lives and the different perceptions of people. Um, and eventually, like I said, I hope to have all of these things linked up in my curriculum app and then maybe you could use them or see them or maybe I'll be able to bundle them and make them really nice and awesome and sell them on TPT for a couple bucks to support kind of this continued creation that I wanna do. But basically, my first lesson is I add in more adjectives 
than I taught them in sixth grade. So, you know, we had that those like 10 to 15 core adjectives from sixth grade. So now I'm gonna add in a few more so that they have like a good 20, 20 or so adjectives that we're using on a regular basis. Things that are more like um, wise or quiet or persistent or passionate. Um, and some of those other adjectives that maybe are less cognity um, or are harder concepts to grasp what they are in English because sometimes even in class if I say like simpatico, the students always think it means sympathetic and I'm like yes but what does sympathetic actually mean so then we have to like even break some of that down further so like making sure your students understand what these traits are in English is super important um, so the first lesson they basically like look at the adjectives very basic and they like sort it into sentences about themselves like and it's like a drag and drop that I have on Google Slides. It's like, I am this always. So they'll drag it in there if they are that adjective always. Sometimes, rarely, never. And then on the next page, I have them type up a paragraph to describe themselves with those adjectives. And then the next lesson, we talk about um, a circle of care. So in the middle is themselves. They fill out like who is in the circle closest to them. And then outside of that, who is in their like acquaintance circle. And then on the back side, I had them, I created this worksheet inspired by um, what I had found. On the back of that, I had them write like the name of the person, their relation to them. So friend, um, aunt, uncle, pet, because I let them include their animals if they wanted to, like my animals are some of the closest beings to me, um, and then like their descriptions about those people. So I had them like create three little like blocks of information with bullet points about that, and then they picked one of those people to write a complete paragraph describing about. This is also how I scaffold writing and build it into my lessons. So sometimes my lessons don't always follow the daily framework if I'm having the students do more outputting and scaffolding that for them. And then oftentimes like I'll let them share if they want to or I'll have them tell um, someone near them. Sometimes I'll just collect them. It depends on the situation. And then the last thing I do with seventh grade after I do that circle of care is we talk a lot about the different roles in their lives. So we spend a day on like a Jamboard brainstorming different roles they have, friend, sibling, um, student, maybe they work somewhere, maybe they're a coach, maybe they're a dancer, maybe they're a team member, maybe they are a daughter or a son or a grandchild, uh, maybe they're a babysitter, basically any role they have in their life. We spend some time brainstorming and then they have again, I developed some of these when we were virtual last year so a lot of it's digital which is fine and eventually I'll probably hard copyify it. Um, depending on how it lends itself to that. So basically what I have them do is I have them pick three of their main roles and on a slide they list those three roles at the top and then underneath they talk about how people perceive them in those roles and I model this by doing this about myself. So I'll say like my role as a friend, my role as a teacher, and my role as like a cat mom. And so as I'm modeling this for them, I'm like, and of course they're so sweet, like as a teacher, I'm like, hmm, as a teacher, my students think that I am, and they're like shouting out adjectives in Spanish. And I was like, oh, you guys are my favorite. But like, I'll go through what, what some of my students might think I am based on how I appear in class. Like this is super higher order thinking, you guys. We can bring that down to like intermediate low level language if we break it down and scaffold it. And then, you know, 
to my cats. What do my cats think I'm like? What do um, what does my friends think I'm like? And and then I make sure to contrast some of those adjectives, right? Like my students probably think that I'm extroverted, but that's not actually true. So then after they've listed these adjectives to describe themselves in this kind of chart, the next page is them writing a paragraph describing themselves with sentence frames, again, I like to give them those things or anchor charts to help anchor their knowledge where they really do describe, you know, in school, my students think that I am extroverted, but in reality, I am very introverted. I don't like to spend time with people. <laughs> That's a little dramatic, but things like that. And they write a paragraph about it and then submit it. Um, it also, like, when I read through those, like, I learn a lot about my students. So that is cycle one, phase three for my seventh graders, focusing on describing themselves and their circle of care. And then when we get into cycle one, phase four in seventh grade, describing people and places in the past and present, um, I'm currently developing this unit now, uh, but I have decided to focus it on describing significant people and places in Spanish history and culture, past and present. So. I decided to, for this year, and I might change it in future years, pick two people that are, I got this really awesome book called, it's right next to me, um, Nuestra America, 30 Inspiring Latinos and Latinas Who Have Shaped the United States. So I read through there and picked out a bunch of people that I think would be interesting for my students at their age to learn about. Um, two of them are Jennifer Lopez and Lin-Manuel Miranda. And I pulled those two out because I knew my students might recognize them, and I also pulled them out because I'm pretty familiar with them, and I also chose those two to start with because they have a lot in common. And like, this is how my brain works, okay? And I hope this helps you kind of envision how you can plan with stepping stones and how you can start to like scaffold and build in what students need to be successful. So what I did, and if you listen to my last episode about extending input, I talked a lot in depth about this. But basically what I did was I looked up in the target language biography of Jennifer Lopez, biography of Lin-Manuel Miranda. I used that to write a one-page size 14 font with you know some spacing between the paragraphs and the lines um, biography about both of them. Then what I did was I cut that down and probably took maybe a half or at least a third of the information out and hit the high points, and I made a, myself a script for an input for a picture talk about their lives. Then I Googled different pictures of them at different stages of their lives, and I did them as a picture talk. So one day, I did a picture talk of Jennifer Lopez and her life. The students had a T-chart in their notebooks, and they're writing down details about her past and her present. I am checking for comprehension, and at the end, we wrote one paragraph, four to five sentences long as a write and discuss, about Jennifer Lopez and hit the main things, right? Because teaching them how to summarize is a super important skill too. Um, and then the next day I had them do volleyball reading with the full page text. Um, and then we just did some practice with numbers. On the third day, I did the same thing with Lynn Monroe Miranda, went through the pictures. And then on the fourth day, I'm gonna have them do, I'm actually doing it this week, I'm gonna have them do a um, read through the full text about his life, and I'm going to have find some activity to help them process that reading. So I don't know that I want to do volleyball reading again. Um, I might want to do more of a annotated reading. Um, 
I'm not sure yet. But anyhow, something to process that reading. Then day five, I'm gonna ha get, have them take both of those long readings and fill out a Venn diagram about Jennifer Lopez and Lin-Manuel Miranda. Day six, I'm gonna have them write a paragraph comparing and contrasting Jennifer Lopez and Lin-Manuel Miranda, pulling in some of that more quote-unquote academic vocabulary, right? Like um, how to compare and contrast two different people and how sentence frames and things like that. And then I might do two more people or I might pick out some places. Um, and honestly, like if you find a way to extend and recycle your content like I am, like that's like five days right there of lesson plans based off of two days worth of content. So don't be afraid to kind of reuse and recycle that because they're still getting valuable input. I might at the end of this unit have them decide to write their own like slide or do a slide talk about, um, I might give them like a list of significant people from Hispanic history and culture um, to pick from or I might have just assign them and they have to look it up and kind of find their own pictures and create their own versions of this. Maybe I'll have them present it to the class, maybe I won't. Some different things I'm bobbing around in my head as part of their assessment. And then in eighth grade, I am combining cycle one, phase three, and cycle one, phase four, because by eighth grade, in addition to what they get in all of their years before I have them in fifth grade, in eighth grade, if these students have been at our school this whole time, they have had imaginary characters. They have had describing real and fictional characters. They have had describing people in the past and present that they're familiar with. They have had describing themselves in their circle of care. They have had describing people in Spanish history and culture, past and present, They've like, they like know how to describe people really well. Um, so it's kind of like maybe we do a quick review, maybe I throw together a gim kit or a book kit um, to review some of those adjectives and key phrases and then I jump right in. So since they're in eighth grade, my biggest concern is trying to get them ready for high school. And this is one of the big units that I do that for is I reach out to their parents and this year I got 100% participation, which is a miracle. Last year, I got maybe 50% participation. Um, I reach out to parents or guardians and I ask for um, two to three pictures of the student from when they were younger. They don't have to be baby. And a couple of anecdotal stories or just like information about what they were like, what did they like to do, what were some of their favorite things. And then I throw together a picture talk of all the students and it's top secret and the students don't know about it until I pull it out and then they're mortified and embarrassed and it's fantastic. So um, basically I went through and talked about like four or five kids each day, past and present. Again, the students took notes in their notebooks. Um, if I was lacking information from parents, I just asked the kids themselves like, oh, do you remember what you used to like or what you were like? And then in the present tense, if I don't have a ton of information about them, I'll ask them like, oh, what do you like to do? It's almost like a special person star of the day interview about their childhood, which I'm actually considering making for next year in eighth grade. Um, but, um, and then basically I have them do that and that takes like a whole week. Um, and then I end up having the students write their own speech about what they were like as a child and what they are like now. And this is mostly for high school Spanish preparation because the high schools they go to require them to do memorized, practiced oral 
presentations. And while I don't necessarily agree with that, I do want to give them opportunities to practice that. So we like hype each other up. So they, I tell them they have to do it in front of the class. Um, they're allowed to sit on my stool. It's the stool of power. They know that. So they can either stand or sit. They can read off of their paper that I have checked. Um, and I have them practice it out loud, all of them at the same times in their desks. I go around, help them with pronunciation. And I reiterate, like, we don't care if someone mispronounces a word. It is scary doing this. And we all, like, hoop and holler and clap and scream and woo-woo when everyone's done. Um, and I basically, as long as they do it, and they talked about the things that I wanted them to, I give them 100% as a speaking assessment um, because that's scary and that's hard. I did have one student this year who advocated for herself and said, I'm really uncomfortable with this. Um, is there a way I can do this alternatively? I provided them with a Flipgrid link so that they could record it and I would just listen to it privately. But I feel like as they move into high school, I wish all teachers would make accommodations for that, but sometimes they don't. And so I think it's our job to, when students advocate for themselves, make those accommodations. And also for students who are absent, I gave them Flipgrid link and they just did it that way. Um, I also have an idea about doing like places we like to go as children and doing that as a slide talk to hit more on describing places. But we haven't, um, I didn't get a chance to implement this that this year and I'm moving on to, to cycle two with my, my classes. So, I know that when they go into Spanish 2 in high school next year, they're going to have probably preterite versus imperfect. So they will have had a lot of exposure to that and including in our stories that will make things a lot easier for them. So I know that was a lot of information. This is one of my longest episodes, but I hope that helps you envision what cycles one, cycle one, phase three, and cycle one, phase four um, can look like in your spiraled classes where you have them year after year. We'll see you soon for cycle two.